Damn, having corn in the building, like now I've got corn stuck in my head. Corn stuck in my head. That's They don't sound like that, Mike. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. I've got my co-host, Mike Davis here, Matthew Dillner in studio, working the board, doing his magic. Mm-hmm. Mike, what we got on the show today? Well, Dale, it was a weekend of mistakes and accusations, I think, from Texas. Mm. And you know how in Forrest Gump, Forrest says, Mama always has a way of explaining things so I can understand them. Yes. You're going to be my Mama Gump today because I'm confused. <laughs> all right. And you always have a way to explain things. So, Dale, this is your show. You're going to tell us Mama all Gump. about these accusations and all the people with mistakes. NASCAR made mistakes. Top contenders made mistakes. You set us straight today. All right. Well, I'll try my best. Let's get to it. <laughs> set. Captain Level. Check. Check. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Mike Davis. Check. Dale Jr. Download Engage. All right, guys. So let's get to it. Big takeaway from the weekend. Man. What, yeah, yeah. What, what, which takeaway are you going to yeah, go to first? I know. It's, uh, there's a lot, to, there's a lot to, to choose from here. You know, the race was a tough one to yeah. watch, I thought. You know, didn't have a lot of action, didn't have a lot of cautions. One single groove racetrack. Mm-hmm. Let's get to a couple of tweets, yes. comments from drivers. Yes. From Jeff Gluck, Chase Elliott on how hard it was to pass at Texas. I don't know what genius decided to pave this place or take the banking out of turns one and two, but not a good move for the entertainment factor, in my opinion. I love that Chase Elliott has given his opinion. We want Chase Elliott to engage and share. I know he's doing it indirectly here through Jeff Gluck, but it's great to hear driver feedback, especially after an event like that. You want to know what the drivers are thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Pretty ballsy. Absolutely. Well, did you see what Eddie Gossage said in response? What did Eddie Gossage say? Eddie Gossage said, the asphalt has to age. Give it some time. Whether we like it or not, we have to repave every so often. Give it time. Yeah. I have to agree that they had to repave. I mean, okay, the track was weeping so badly they had to postpone the IndyCar event from, uh, what, year 2016? Anyways... The weepers were so bad, they, they had to postpone a major event. Mm-hmm. This ain't a small thing mm-hmm. to have to move a race to a completely different weekend because there's weepers in the track, even with a dry racetrack. They couldn't race the damn race. That's a problem. All right? That's a problem if you're on a major network. Sure. All right? You can't keep up your word. You can't, you can't have a race. You you're, can't. you're in the entertainment business. All right? And there was another uh, – there's a couple race where we had some weepers in qualifying that delayed qualifying for hours. Uh, delayed the entire, you know, d- delayed a lot of the progress throughout the weekend. You just can't have that. So, and we're not talking about like Concord here, where we can get away with running on some weepers. We're talking about no, yeah, speeds. They, you can't have a weeper. Yeah, they they were, they had to fix it. So, the track had to be repaved. It wasn't a choice of man, you know, should we repave it or maybe we should, you know, what we've seen in Atlanta the last couple of years, where they've kind of bent back and forth on possibly repaving it and not repaving it. That's not what's happening here. This track was in bad shape. Needed a repave, so that had to happen. The reconfiguration, though, not sure that I would have done that. Mm. Now, with that said, I think the reason that, you know, the, the the less banking in one and two is maybe the only thing that created passing <laughs> know, right? in the race. Guys <laughs> going down in there and getting moved up the racetrack. And we talked about it in the race. Uh, with the less banking, guys have to lift. You can hear it in the th- in the or in the in cars where they're way off the throttle for a very long Early. time. Yeah, down into the corner that allows another guy if he wants to be brave enough to drive into the corner deeper and get to the bumper and move you out of the way. We saw it in the Xfinity race on the last lap when Reddick got passed. And uh, by Custer, we saw it 
uh, when there was a pass for the lead between Blaney and Harvick. Mm-hmm. I think that that reconfiguration actually created what little action we did have in the race. I don't know that I can blame the the lack of excitement in that event for the reconfig, but I can say that the surface of the racetrack being new, I mean, we've seen it year after year. Anytime they've repaved a racetrack, that racetrack has not put on a good show. And that's not just exclusive to Texas. That's happened no. any track. Kentucky, Michigan. Yeah. I mean, we go on, on all the repaves. I don't know a repave that has put on a great show. Right. Let's talk about that, though. There's more things that play a role in the product of the weekend. The tire, the choice of tire. All right? And let's go to a tweet from Denny Hamlin. It's naive to think that the 19 package, this is a, the I, package that they're going to run next year. I haven't even started running it yet. <laughs> Less horsepower, more downforce. It's naive to think that the 19 package will fix the one-lane racing we saw today at Texas. It is a tire track problem the tires do not lay rubber anymore i'm hoping when a completely new car is designed which there is expected to be a new designed race car coming in a couple years engines as well for everyone yes okay all right they're doing this low let me get back to the tweet all right so it's naive to think that the 19 package will fix the one lane race and we saw today it's a tire track problem the tire does not lay rubber he's hoping that a completely redesigned car will will be designed around a tire and wheel combination that is correct he also goes on to say you can't even hardly find a car on the road today that has 15-inch wheels on it. We need something with a durable and tough sidewall to allow Goodyear to put a compound tread that lays rubber. That is what forces us to move off the bottom when the car lays rubber down on the racetrack. Until then, we will continue to chase a quote-unquote package. And so I have to kind of, that I kind of agree with most of that. In 2019, there's a new package coming. It's got more downforce, less horsepower. Mm-hmm. This is a stopgap to what will be eventually a new engine mm-hmm. and, and and a new prob- possibly a new design car. I don't know that they're going to redesign the car, but there is a new engine package coming in a couple of years that will be an open engine with 550 or whatever horsepower. Till then, we got this stopgap of a restricted engine. All right, a band-aid, if you will. Yeah, and that's okay too. It helps us sort of understand where we're headed and what what we need to do to fix it. What Denny's proposing is that if we're going to the, go to this package, which we are, it's it's happening, maybe we ought to have a different wheel, a different tire, hmm. a smaller tire, less tread width on the racetrack. I think that's a great idea. I've always thought that what's one way to slow the car? If, if Goodyear cannot build a softer tire that is durable, if a Goodyear is afraid to build a tire soft that will degrade yet not destroy itself, maybe we don't need this much tire on the racetrack. Maybe a way to get guys to lift off the throttle is to take make the contact patch, the tra- the actual part of the tire that is touching the racetrack, make that smaller. Okay. All right. Uh, that's an idea. That's a that's, it's, an it's idea. a very logical idea that Thank I've heard. You. A very logical idea that I think would work. Of course, we need testing, but albeit untested. But go ahead. Yes, well, yeah, it's a great idea, though. Anything yeah. like that would need a lot of testing. Significant testing. Yeah, of but course. keep. All right. So I, I'm 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 tracking with you so far. Keep going. Well, so basically, a lot of drivers. Disappointed in how difficult it was to pass. A lot of drivers saying, don't expect this next year's package to solve all of the issues. It is not a package. It, I mean, the package, I think, will be pretty interesting at races like that, racetracks like that. But is it going to be as great as it can be? No, it won't. It won't be until we figure all the things out that go along with the package. One of the most common things, one of the most important things to the racetrack is what connects it to the road, the rubber, the tires. The tire is really the most important thing. The mm-hmm. package can be anything, but if it's not the right tire, it's never going to look good. You can put any package on these cars, 
yesterday at Texas, and then without the right tire, you're not going to have a good race. So in my mind, they brought a tire that was more durable because we had some tire issues in April. The right front tire was blowing. Uh, car yeah, hit a, lot, a lot of people spinning out. Lot, yeah, a lot of chaos well, going on. Well, spinning out's okay. We don't mind about guys spinning out. Okay, but you had some tire. We had right front tires. That's as long right. as you have failures is what you don't yep. want. That's right. Goodyear says we can't have failures. You can't. You cannot have tires popping and blowing and guys mm-hmm. hitting the fence. Mm-hmm. So they, they tested. They came back with the Michigan right side tire, and it, it didn't race well. It's a bad combination for that track. Go back to the drawing board. Go back to, the, go back to testing. Try to find another combination of tire that actually rubbers up the racetrack. Okay, I got questions, though, for you. One is... It goes back to the beginning of Eddie Gossage's statement. Yep. And you are always big. You Even when you were driving, you were always big about track repaves, yes. and, 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 and you always had an opinion on that. How long should a fan expect a track to then to produce good racing after a repave? A couple years? Five years? We don't know that. I mean, it's just now that we're starting to repave racetracks. I, I, I think you could look. You would have to go back and watch uh, when they reconfigured Atlanta in 96, 97. You'd have to go back and watch pretty much every race until you started to see a trend of racing getting better i don't know i mean it could be five years before a track starts to widen out before a track starts to but it's also it also could happen overnight if so they change the tire a lot every week right, right? i well, mean they, they, they're, they're trying new stuff every well as a as a as a track gets repaved they have to change the tire because it's being a repave yeah and then as the repave starts to age they have to keep up with that they that's can't, right they can't leave that same tire on the car every once in a while they'll hit on something that works really good and so we need to go back and see why that worked. Understand, hey, man, why did this tire rubber the racetrack up? Why did it make guys start running on the fence all of a sudden? How did that happen? Aging is part of the racetrack, but the tire is the most important component to all of this. Yes. All right? The package is important to, to, a, to an extent. But what the, the rubber meets the road, man, that is what is the most important part of the whole equation. That's why Goodyear's job is the toughest job yeah. in the sport. Tougher than the governing body. Sure. Goodyear is the key Yeah, to all of our answers. Well, it, it has a significant role yeah. because it's keeping the, pe- the, 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 the pieces of machinery in place That's right. in which to run. And, and you're also asking it to wear off so the, it can produce good racing. I mean, who Give wants that Give me a that tire job? that wears out, falls off, but, but, but does doesn't it, blow but, up. But doesn't blow up. All right, <laughs> go. And then, and then let us complain about it when it doesn't go exactly our way, which gets to my second question. Yeah is that after seeing Denny Hamlin's tweets yeah. and Chase Elliott, and, and I, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they, they – I like it when drivers speak their mind. But it's just an exhausting conversation for an objective fan like myself to get hit in the face and have to care. I said this on this show earlier in the year. I, it doesn't apply to my everyday life. So packages and, uh, you know, and tires and, and, and Denny's like, I, I liked what Denny said about, well, if we don't, how many 15-inch tires do you see anybody using? All right, now, now you're kind of talking in my language. But it's just an exhausting thing. And my, I guess my question to you about when can we expect a track to, start to kind of work in is that how long do we have to keep talking about packages and, and stuff? Or is this a product of something else? There's a lot of other opinions. These are a product of the mile and a half tracks, repave or not. Yeah. This is, you got other people. You know, you, you yourself are on the more short track bandwagon. Yeah. You got people say NASCAR needs to eliminate the side force in the cars. I got agree somebody with that. else. NASCAR needs mm-hmm. to scrap the damn splitter. Somebody I else. Agree with that. NASCAR, Those two right there. NASCAR needs to listen wrong. to drivers more. I mean, it's like, well, yeah. well, where's the end game here? 
And that's where I'm kind of just. Well, like, you got close to it right there. Okay. Well, okay. What's the ultimate we're, we're Dale Jr. NASCAR package? NASCAR doesn't need to listen to the drivers. Like the NASCAR needs to listen to some drivers. <laughs> okay. Right? NASCAR doesn't need to listen to every single fan. Yes. When they have every when they when they have opinions, they need to listen to some fans. Not every driver, not every fan, just some. They need to pick and choose the guys that they can trust and they believe are giving them the straight stuff and go to those guys and use those guys. We don't need a council. We don't need we don't need organization. Just pick a couple guys you trust. Get them up in the holler every once in a while. Take their take their information and use it. But isn't that what the council was designed for? No. It, it is the what it's designed, designed for. The council was designed to quit to keep us from gathering in another okay the council uh, was a whole the reason the council here unifying or something we were gonna we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna organize as drivers and the council came in to combat that to yep. basically kind of stop that the council did some good things though i mean nothing nothing against the council i don't i think it worked for a while i don't know the, i don't know what the council's doing right now i'm not in the council should and i shouldn't know okay but i think that they should pick a couple guys and just pick their brains one-on-one and the guys that they can trust to really understand like like denny some of Denny's points are, are valid. Go to Denny. Say, Denny, let's sit down and talk about this. Give us some, you know, just Denny, one-on-one. No one else in the room. When you sit down with four, with, with eight or ten drivers and you try to talk about wheels, 15-inch wheels, you're going to get all kinds of conversation, all kinds of noise. Everybody's going to root into that conversation. Let's sit down with just Denny. Let's sit down with just Chase. Say, what can you add here, Chase? What can you do? What can you tell us right now one-on-one? And then if you, and if you like what he says, you know, take, put it to use. If you don't like it, go to the next driver. I got you. Well, I guess that uh, to me, you'd have to earn that spot. Denny has, Chase hasn't yet. Well, that's up to the, that's, uh, that's up, up to them. For of course, of course, of yeah. course. But my point is that you got to know that they're coming in from a, the right you place. You went down a long list of things. Side force. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could talk. This is a very, very, very deep, deep, deep conversation. All it goes all the way back to when we when we went away from the COT to the new body style that we have now. We took we had an oppor- we centered up the noses. You remember the noses yep. used to be slid over with a big left front giant fender? Absolutely. Yep. Well, they center up the noses, but they didn't center the tail. All right? They let the tail stay over to the right so we could have this straight quarter panel. For whatever reason, I'm not sure. Um, so we've had opportunities, and we've missed them to take side force out of the cars and, and center the center the tailpiece up and do do these little things, you know, that, that, could, that could be taken out of the argument so we can center on really what the key issues are. I think Denny points out some really unique ideas as far as tires and wheels because I'm a big believer in the fact that the tire is the is the first domino. All right, without a good tire, without a tire that rubbers in the track, without a tire that allows you to move around and widen up the groove, I don't care what the car is. You could, you're not going to have any good. You're not going to have the same race. So that's where it starts. So you're saying this what? rules package may not actually do as much as we expect it to do next year unless the tire is addressed. Is that so, what I'm hearing? The rule package next year will not be as great as it can be unless the tires are always the right tire for that particular track. The rule package for 2018 will not reach its potential without the proper tire at each track. And it's a tough target to hit. And Mm -hmm. obviously they missed it this weekend, but that tire did not put any rubber down. The outside groove never came in. It was never a real, I mean, it was okay for restarts, but that was it. You know, boy, was it okay for restarts? Yeah, it won a guy race. Well, the bottom was so slick, but anyhow, that's against that's another whole, whole other argument. But um, I, I think this is a I, you know we got a couple things here to 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 address. I think this package is a neat idea for next year, but don't be don't 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 be so sure that you're going to go to Ken, Kentucky, which was a real snoozer, 
and see a great race. I mean, we got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to put a, put a tire on the car, even with this new package, that'll rubber down the racetrack and widen out that groove. And I'm sure I don't have all I don't have all the answers. I don't. Guys that have the answers are probably the guys that are driving the cars and they're working on the cars. All right. Mm. Um, I know that the engineers at Goodyear are super smart, but drivers know why and how and when a racetrack starts to work and widen out and and become racy and fun. Drivers sense that and know that they're out there on the track when it's happening. So those would be the guys I would be going to. I would pick a handful of drivers that I trusted and try to get you know try to get together and figure this out. You know, it should be worth uh, stating here that Denny Hamlin's tweets were in response to a media member who said this, and I want to get your take on this, Dale. Are we really taking freshly repaved nighttime Texas as the launching point to justify the 2019 package? Is it, It's like the Vegas and Chicagoland under the sun never happened. It's Both good point. races, right? Oh, yeah. Awesome you, races. You saw a race with more grip than power to justify adding more grip and less power. I am beside myself. Yeah. No, that's right. He's right. Texas, what, I didn't walk out of Texas going – 2019 is going to fix this. Yeah. No. no. I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's a, the guaranteed savior of any of them. I think I, I would. Hope. I would. I, we all hope. I would narrow up my argument and say, if we go back to Texas with this tire, with the 2019 package, we might be, we might again have an issue. Mm-hmm. We might again not deliver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's, let's, I hope, I'm sure they will. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to have to test this package at a lot of different tracks, and I'm certain that Goodyear will be open to and able to adjust the tire and change the tire, and we'll see how that works out. But there's a couple tracks there that they need to really focus on, Kentucky, Texas. Yeah. One more question for you on this. You know, you were there, I wasn't. Did they try any of those rubber-laying tactics that, you know, we've seen other tracks do? Yeah, dragon. Did they they, do the dragon? They did the the dragon in just turns one and two. In just turns one and two. The flatter returns. The 20-degree okay. bank turn. It's mm-hmm. not really flat. <laughs> yeah, they used it in one end. I didn't ask why they didn't use it in the other end. The track has actually changed uh, colors uh, a lot. I mean, it's not dark at all. It's gray. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's kind of aging quickly. I think that they applied some treatment to it, lime and, or something, to make that process speed up. But I'm not in the car, so I can't, you know, I can't say for sure you know, if the track is aging rapidly or not. Hmm. Well, we we heard from the guys or some of the guys that did, and so yeah. they 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 had a lot to say about it. So yeah, they did. It's an interesting weekend. We had interesting race and interesting comments after the race. Well, there was uh, more to it this week. <laughs> more to it than uh, just the tires and the grip and whatnot. There was uh, NASCAR admitting a major mistake that I thought was uh, compelling enough, just in the fact that they admitted it and, and kind of very strong position that Steve O'Donnell took, and that had to do with the 48. Basically, this goes back into, again, additional rules that, frankly, I couldn't even – you can't hardly even remember what all the rules are. But I guess if you want to set the table with what the rules are and then people going through inspection, and then we can kind of take it from there because there was a lot of comments uh, on this as well. The timeline, Dale, is what's most interesting about this that that you laid out even for us. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson going through pre-race inspection on the day of. He failed it twice. I'm sorry. Did he fail it twice? Yeah, he failed it twice but passed it a third time. I think the rule must be that you have to fail it three times. If you fail it three times, you get moved in the back. He got moved in the back even though he only failed it twice and did not – I think the, kind of the bigger issue was that the team did not even get notified until they were like basically rolling off pit road and then hence the problem. Yeah, so the command to fire your engines was given and, and right about that time is when Chad Knauss 
said he found out the 48 would have to go to the rear for failing inspection. So nearly 90 minutes after the car passed the final third inspection, Knauss was told that he had to go to the rear. And in that moment, it's a command to start your ends. I mean, engines. Yeah. All right. In that f- small space between that and the green flag, they they argued their case and to no avail. They obviously didn't get it overturned. If they had learned earlier, I mean, some of the media members said that they were informed roughly 15 minutes before that. 15, yes. Uh, I mean, if they had that extra 15 minutes on the grid, yeah, they might have been able to argue their case and win their case. You know, that's the part that's intriguing to me, uh, this timeline. Yeah, so the media knew it right team- when it was happening, but the team did not. So when the team finds out there's not enough time for them to f- correct it, argue their case, and then NASCAR realizes the mistake moments into the event after the, it's over, it's done, it's happened. They can't undo it. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's, it's, you can't, you can't, do? can't cry over spilt milk. What, let's, just, let's just get over it. We can't. This, but but, this, but at the same time, man, you know, there's ways we can maybe improve the system. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely ways we can com- communicate better. And, and NASCAR admitted, look, we screwed up. We see the flaws in our communications. And, and we got to fix that. This can't happen again, and it's all on them. There was no, you know, they put no responsibility on Chad or anyone but themselves. But, the, you know, this just cannot happen, especially, I mean, imagine if Jimmy had been in the, the chase or the playoffs. Imagine if he had been a playoff-eligible driver in a situation like uh, Martin Tricks Jr. Uh, or Kurt Busch uh, right around the cut line uh, with two races to go to get to Homestead and, and get one of those guys gets moved to the rear accidentally. Because of a mistake. Yeah. I think that would be catastrophic for the sport. We're lucky that, you know, Jimmy was not a playoff driver. But still, it's embarrassing. I think that NASCAR is certainly embarrassed by it. Rarely do they make these type of mistakes. Right. So you got to give them a little bit of credit there because they don't have yeah. a real history of having these type of flaws. Now, there's a lot of things we might disagree with NASCAR on, and that certainly happens week to week. But rarely do they make this type of mistake. Certainly, this will be a wake-up call for NASCAR, for everyone involved in NASCAR, to uh, avoid this type of situation in the future. Because this cannot be a, uh, an occurrence that happens any time in the near future. And it won't. But, you know, remember last week we were talking about how, depending on on how well, how much you were affected by a situation, is whether it affects yeah. your worldview on it yeah. or your situation. I found it just so interesting that I'm going to read you a couple reactions to this. And, and you can easily tell some that it affected, some that didn't. Now, yeah. you know, Tony Stewart took the took this stance. We're the only series in the world where you get to go through tech three times and fail twice. They still let you go through a third time. It shouldn't be this difficult. Help me understand why cars are failing tech two or three times each on race day to begin with, actually. I mean, that's that, that's, a, that's a question that, you know, you, you guys that have been racing for ages on ages. I mean, I, I, as a fan, don't understand how you could be passing tech all weekend and then on race day you're failing so much that it, this becomes an issue. Uh, Rodney Childers said, I think the communication is really good right now. So let's establish what the communication is then. You know, he thinks it's good. No changes. Um, Jeff Gluck said, look, I know you all are pretty pissed, but actually I'm not outraged by this. It, it didn't affect a playoff driver. Yeah. You know, and so if it did, it would have been a bigger deal, but I'm just not outraged. And, uh, you know, Kelly Crandall was saying, the amount of rules we have makes your head spin after we after a while we're trying to keep up. Yeah. I, I, that's where I'm at. In this age of outrage, I guess it's not a real popular thing to just not have a strong opinion on something. But I'm not outraged. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone's outraged. We're lucky. Lucky that it didn't happen to a play. Listen, Jimmy was going to start 23rd. Instead, he started what, 30th? I know. I don't like minimalizing it either. I don't like saying, you know, it's no big deal. You know, well, you know, he's going to start in the back anyways. I don't like minimalizing, and I'm not pointing at you, but you got to say it's a mistake. It can't happen again. 
And if it does, then there should be outrage. Well, we would fall into the uh, category of minimalizing it if NASCAR hadn't already taken ownership of yeah. the mistake. If they had not taken ownership, we're like, yeah, yeah. look, it's no big deal. They're, they're but they took ownership of it. Well, you know, I like what earlier. Tony Stewart said. Why are we passing two, three times? Who cares about pa- you know why? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a believer in a stern, strict system that penalizes and and, and that has penalties and deterrents that are incredibly severe that would keep, that would make you never want to fail tech ever not yeah yeah i, mean, I see that in the snowball derby with that guy ricky brooks you go down there and they call it the room of doom he runs such a tight tech that people are scared don't yeah. even of try pushing it. the envelope that's sort of like college football the new targeting rule where yeah. you get suspended another like a whole game afterwards to the idea people hate this rule because it's like how can you 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 punish somebody like that but the idea is to make them have to change their muscle memory yeah on how they've always been taught to tackle you've got to change that and it's got to be so severe yeah of a penalty that you've got to want to you know hit differently yeah um and i think that's what you're saying no yeah i think we need i've always felt like that the sport needed to be tougher on its on the teams on the opponents in those situations uh you know when you're failing tech and so forth or, or, or not passing i don't know what the ultimate penalty would have been for failing the first time before a race but i i, I kind of have to agree with tony there uh we have a system that allows people to push and and you know flirt with the the gray area it, it should scare you from mm-hmm. wanting to do that you know and not you know make you afraid of pushing the gray area do go you ahead. agree with Rodney Childress that like the communication is no, fine like would I, you ever want to go back to a system where you had NASCAR officials in every pit where, you know, a crew chief could just lay into them anytime they wanted to and, and, and they could have a Rodney, direct report back to the tower. Rodney Childers is talking about this after he had won a race. That's exactly right. And, you know, he don't care. He's just right. like, man, I'm life's good. I, life's good for me. I'm Everything's awesome. Communication's right. great. What am I doing? Complain about the communication? Right. Worked out I, well for I me. I want to race. What am I? Yeah, I'm coming in here to <laughs> bash NASCAR. Right. <laughs> right. You if it rock. happens, that, that goes back to the point. <laughs> it, depending on who it happened to. Yeah. You know, it affects your not opinion. That I, and I don't think Rodney's telling a lie, but he, he's got no reason to stir the pot right there. He's, no. he's, he's going home with a trophy. Bottom line is if I mess up on this podcast, Dale, right, and yeah. you tell me, hey, Dillner, you screwed this up, okay? You, you examine what you did, you learn from it, and you, you progress after that. And if, as long as NASCAR realizes a mistake, which they did very clearly, very animately, and then they move on from it by learning from it, then there is nothing to be outraged about either. It's not nothing to be outraged no. about, but we do need we need stricter penalties. We need less rules, and they've tried to do that. I mean, we everybody says we need less rules. We do, but they've tried to consolidate. You know, they tried to trim down the text process, and and there's less officials. It's more it's an automated process now, and and so mm-hmm. they've made some they've done some things. I mean, that think about how tough. What was that, ILS or whatever that was? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, think about that. Remember how everybody complaining about that thing, not reading the same yep. every time a car went through there? Oh, you're talking about like the laser? Yes. The yeah. laser deal? And where they put the stuff yeah. in the wheels. Remember, yeah. remember where we were? So where we are today is really good. All right? We're in a better place <laughs> than we were in, but we can always continue to make it better, trimming more rules, unnecessary rules. It is tough for a crew chief, though, on pit road. If you're on pit road, uh, official is responsible for yeah. a certain amount of pits now. Yeah. 
So it used to be that there was officials at every darn pit. Yeah. So it's harder to get that communication up to the tower. Plus, they govern the biggest crop of rule breakers there are in sports. It's like, it's like, we're, the, it's like we're Tombstone, uh, this industry. You know, a bunch Every, of cowboys they, with the red is, sashes. This is true. <laughs> but everybody carries a smartphone in their pocket. Every There's so many people like O'Donnell or, or anybody, who any of those officials could contact Chad, any of those folks at Hendrick Motorsports to alert them of the situation. There's no... There's no excuse for the for the team finding out so late. The last thing I'll say about this is, hmm. Oh, this will be good. He's having to think how. <laughs> when you work. say hmm, we need less rules, you know, and less. We need less to have to worry about. We need less to have to, you know, tech. Like tech shouldn't be such a giant process. But the rules that we do have, the the rules that we do keep, those are rules. And if you break those rules, that should be it. You know, I don't I don't care if it happens to my car. If I break a rule, if we're wrong, if you can prove to me and show me, look, you're wrong. We measured it. It's over. Mm-hmm. You're out. All right, man. So what the rule is. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I can live with that. And that's what we don't have right now. We have a system of, you know, well, okay, you go through again. We're going to dock you some practice time. We're going to take away your car, chief, you know. You're saying send them to the back the first time they uh, yeah they or, they, they and, or something even more severe even or more. more severe than that you got to give them hell man you got to go hard you got Dale Junior it. man if he's the the, the, the he, if he's the yeah he's he's the <laughs> sheriff in town look out man well, but gotta, I like it you got to make the you got to make it to where they will not they will make sure that this car is going to pass this particular rule don't even get on the edge yeah. Because they, it's t- it's too dangerous. The teams can do that, but they don't have to do that. They're not being held to that standard. They're in a. It's a culture of let I me mean, push it as hard as I can get. Let mm-hmm. me push it as far as close to that borderline as I can go. Whereas it needs to be a culture of I ain't getting close to that. No, nah, because I know what happens. I ain't getting close to that. You know, I'm not going to push it that far because that's I'm, I can't afford to l- to lose this yeah. battle. I can't afford to break this rule. If anything, you are consistent on this. If because. I remember earlier in the year when we were talking about the, the yellow line rule, and you were just asking for clarity. You were just asking for distinct, what is the rule? And so and, and so there's no, well, I got forced, or I did yeah. this, or I did that, something happened. No, no, rule is the rule. You can't go down there. And you were looking at it. And, then, and so that was where, because that's where NASCAR kept getting into problem. Well, here's what we had determined. We determined that uh, the air was uh, 10 degrees to the west, and so therefore it <laughs> must push a car a little bit below the yellow line, so we're going to give him an okay. He yeah. said, all right. And it's just like, you know, what's the rule? Yeah. You were screaming for that at the beginning. Yeah. What else did we get? Did you? Everybody was messing up, even top contenders. Did you mess up anything? <laughs> was this a? Was this a? Did the mistakes uh, barrel over into the TV booth, or was it just on the track? Well, you know, we make a lot of mistakes up in the TV booth, but I don't know if you guys would even know it. Well, not unless you tell us. Um, well, that means that means they did a good I job. Know. I mean, you must know of one. You wouldn't have brought this up. No, no, I, I <laughs> no, but we haven't even talked about. It. I mean, listen, there were so many mistakes. I mean, there were pit crew guys sitting on a wall. Clint oh Boyer, my gosh. Clint Boyer gets docked. I mean, you had a guy just sitting there, too many people over the wall just because he was sitting there watching. That guy. Yeah. I did too, right? Oof. You had that. You had a couple of guys, Truex, loose wheels, and and you had a little bit of animosity. I felt between crew chiefs and drivers, and a lot of blame games going on. And yeah, that was strange. Yeah, right. Yeah, Eric Almarola blaming blaming Joey Logano for getting him loose. Said he was on his door real tight and then he said in his, over his radio he's like he's got nothing to race for he can finish fifth 11th it don't matter but damn how can you expect a, how can you expect a guy to race like that 
Right. Exactly. Thank you. You're racing. I thought Amarola was so off on this one. I'm like, <laughs> did you watch the replay? I mean, he's like, yes, they're side by side. Don't knock the one side by side race we got going on. <laughs> the one, there's one side by side race, and we're going to be like, he did wrong. He should have raced me different. He should have got a while. No. <laughs> he, Amarola's ex- explanation on this was simply, he got side by, he got on my door. <laughs> yes. It's what you're supposed to do, it's isn't called it? Racing. I'll be, uh, let me clear up something. So, there is a if a guy goes down in the corner and he drives literally inches off your car, that's something that drivers don't really appreciate. That's not what happened in this situation. I'm just making sure that people understand. I'm thinking that Eric being so far off on this, I'm thinking that Eric thought the 22 was really close to him and was and was taking the side force off his car. He wasn't. He was actually a good distance away from him. He couldn't actually get any higher. He would have been in the damn you know, he'd have been in the damn marbles spinning out. Mm-hmm. He was as high as he could possibly be. They went off in the corner, and it never changed. Joey never got to his door so much so that it would have spun him right around. Um, but I think that that's what Eric felt because Eric got loose and said, hey, he's, he's only he had to have been crowding me because there's no way I would have gotten loose. He had to have been <laughs> on my door. He's thinking this, right? And so he he bents right on. He hits the mic. He's falling back. He's lost these spots. He know he's in, he's he's a, He's mad, ashamed, or embarrassed one uh, to his team. So he hits the mic. This is what I've done a million times. He hits the mic, and he goes, that guy, blah, whatever comes out, right? <laughs> and so I'm sure he, after hearing it back, he probably wishes that he had not said that. But he goes and doubles down on Pit Road mm-hmm. after his post-race interview and says that Joey could have finished 5th, 11th. It wouldn't have mattered. Why is it, you know, why does it matter to him? That's such... That that is such a bad point of view because jammed. I mean, everybody's there to try to win that race. I right. don't care what the playoff situation is. And it just wasn't his day. This is just a weak argument. Yeah, that was so strange to hear a driver. Maybe I've said, have I ever said that? I've, I don't. Want Did you expect to, another driver not to race hard? I don't because want this <laughs> to come back on me. <laughs> I don't ever remember saying that. That look, guy look. should have never raced me that hard because he's already won or he don't need no, to win today. Look. I cannot think of any. If anything, you've always taken the position, even when you guys have mixed up, you mix it up with somebody. You've always been like, well, that was fun. You've always took the fun route, <laughs> which is to, to a fault maybe. But, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I, I can't recall. Maybe fans can help us out on that one. If Dale Jr.'s ever whined, whined about another driver. That would be – this would be what I would Racing want. him too yeah. hard. Or about anything. I would like to uh, see fans – Fans' opinions on when I might have been, when was I the farthest off base on anything? Mm. Racing related. Racing. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay. Racing related. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let Let me know. I, I know I have. I just can't think of it right now. But I'm, I'm sure I've gotten a wreck or something and blamed the wrong guy or or didn't take ownership of some mistake I made. I'd be interested to see. What well, I, I mean, I'm even trying to take think of times when you've taken just a strong stance on one. Talladega was the the one that I can think of the strongest stance you ever took, but that's well documented. The bloodthirsty and racing to the finish. Yes, you can yeah. go uh, see that. There was other things going on in I mind. I still there. feel that way about restrictor plate racing. That well, the fact that like we yeah, you can't get suspended now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> in restrictor plate racing, when you go to the racetrack and you keep wrecking on the last lap, and even when you're not in the wreck, you keep seeing a last lap wreck over and over, and it's like. Nothing changes. Nobody said. Nobody in the whole place is going. You know what? This isn't so good. What about the time you and Robbie Gordon got got into it at Bristol? There's a famous picture where you were flipping him a bird. That was at Bristol. 
I put, I was roughing him up trying to get by him. He was a lap down. I was running like eighth or tenth or something with only a few laps to go, and I had a very fast car, and I was trying to get as many spots as I could, and he was a lap down racing the lead lap cars like he was on the lead lap. Yeah, that's and totally I, different. And I was like, that's different. I, I know. I couldn't remember. I was like, get the hell out of the way. So I bumped him and pushed him up the racetrack and tried to – and the race was over, and after the race, he comes down on pit road and knocks Slams the radiator. into you. He knocked the radiator out of his car. Okay, so that doesn't count. You're, you're well justified that. He deserved that. that finger. Did Todd Todd Bodine get deserved to be caught a cue ball headed yes. pool? Okay, okay. He was on the inside of me and got loose and t- and put me in the fence and at Pike's Peak. So he wrecked you. You got to be wrecked. I mean, like, yeah. If all right, yeah. I don't think I. I think you went your whole career without being a whiny baby. We'll find out. Somebody'll chime in. Hey, That's saying that, something. That is saying something. <laughs> on the track, right? We're, yeah. we, we're making sure. <laughs> we're, we're saying on the track. I've been a whiny baby a lot <laughs> off the track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good thing. This this could be a good uh, Ask Junior Live question that we can see. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, maybe if, somebody, if when we do it live, will already have the need. answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good stuff. Let's go on to uh, Pristine Auction Read. Got them guys back. Love it. Yeah. We do love pristineauction.com. I mean, they keep coming back, supporting this show, so we're going to support them. Pristine Auction is an online sports auction site where you can bid on and win authentic sports memorabilia from the comfort of your home. So you can have daily auctions where you the bids only start at a buck, so all mm-hmm. the bids start at a dollar. There's daily auctions. There's also the 10-minute auction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 10-minute auction sounds fun to me. Where yeah. item pops up, you got 10 minutes, you got to decide quick whether you want it or not and how much you're willing to pay for it. I went to do one the other day, but it was like there was it wasn't anything that I really wanted to buy, but I almost did it because I just the, wanted to experience it. The joy <laughs> of the 10 minute auction, regardless. Maybe they found something there, right? What was it you maybe were looking they for? Fa- no, no, no. Maybe they found like uh, you know how to make online bidding fun, man. Shorten up the auction time. Yeah. You know, instead of these long, drawn out seven, where you forget ten about day it. auctions, yeah, where you need to freaking be notified on your phone and all that. You get 10 minutes. It's option. It it's like another a, option. Yeah. Kind of like poker tournaments. You got all kinds of different poker. Some tournaments. of the deals on there are pretty insane. There's a signed 11 by 14 Daytona 500 winner photo of Joey Logano. Get it now. It's starting at one buck. It's on there right now for a buck. Amarola is going to take him out now. So, so, so get it now. Amarola probably Surely, won't on it. Surely, even after Martinsville, it'll go for more than a dollar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm giving him crap. He got a lot of booze this weekend. I saw, I saw somebody tweet that. Hey, as long as they're he making did. noise. That's all right. That's what Dad said. Dad said as long as they're making noise. Anyways, Pristine, they guarantee the authenticity of all their items, and everything you purchase comes fully authenticated by only the most trusted sources. Like I've said before, I've signed for these guys. It's the real deal. I went and signed for them. Nice guys. Good people. Mm-hmm. So go check out pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register. All right, so you don't have to pay. It's free to bid, and it's also... You only pay for the items you win. So that makes sense to me. I don't know why I have to tell you that. Yeah, why would you, know, you pay for an item you lost? Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> so that's Pristine Auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And when you register, this is really important, folks. When you register, be sure to select Dale Jr. Download from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So that lets them know that we sent you there. Dang, straight at us. Got to support the people that support your podcast, man. Ashrat. All right, so we got one race to go before we get to Homestead. Mm. Phoenix. Here's a good question. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen at Phoenix. Why? New configuration, man, as far as the uh, where the start finish line restarts are going to be fun. You're one of those. It's going to be cool. All right. It is not a reconfiguration. Oh, I choose. uh, Okay. I stand corrected. I used the wrong damn word. All right. Don't say it's a reconfiguration. No. It's not. They, the damn track is the same. Yeah. They move the start-finish line from the front stretch over to turn two, off of turn two, actually, uh, right before the dog leg, 
so that's the new, I don't know, is that the new front straightaway? It's a very short stretch of straight racetrack, so I guess you could call it the front stretch. There's a new, uh, one thing I'm excited about that no one else will ever care about, there's a new TV bu- uh, TV booth. <laughs> Well, Appar- thank God, because you don't have to walk up the stairs that you used to have Apparently, to, to get that. Apparently, the old TV booth was the worst one <laughs> on the series. That's what I keep mm. hearing. But they got a new TV booth, so I'm excited about that. But anyhow, so let me ask you two guys a question. Do you guys think we're going to see a different race because they moved the start finish line? No. I think you're going to see different restarts, that's and it. it's going to be fun. I that's agree. about it. I'm glad you guys got your heads on straight today, because that's the way I feel. <laughs> Good. We're not going to see a different race. It's the same damn racetrack, but... The restart should be pretty interesting. Guys are going to get you know runs on each other. We're going to see them going fanning out through that dog leg like they do all the time. Going into turn three, there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made. Will we get a lot of restarts? Obviously, we're going to get some after the stages, but you know it's a short it's a short race. What is three hundred laps? It depends on whether we'll get a lot of those restarts. Otherwise, you know the race is really going to look pretty similar to what we've seen in the past. Kevin Harvick has been automatic at Phoenix. Yeah, his record there stand, speaks for itself. But he doesn't have to win now, although I expect him to go compete. Eric Almirola may may think he might, might ride around in 10th, but <laughs> Kevin, Har- Kevin Harper's going to go. You didn't like that joke? I, I, I liked it. it great. I don't know it, how it, you didn't laugh at that. It's that not was... even a joke. I mean, like, that's right. Yeah. Eric Almirola apparently is the only he one. He can't race anymore. He's not, not allowed to race. We're just picking on Eric. But, but, but that being said, I mean, I, do you agree that – I, Harvick's going to go there and try to win. He, and he probably will, actually. I mean, Harvick is so good at Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, but he's locked in. Logano's locked in. Kyle Busch is plus 28. Yep. Truex is in fourth at plus 25. So Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, Amarola, and Boyer. Pretty much going to have to win, right? I believe that Kurt Busch cannot point his way in. Twenty. You know, there's so many cars in the back. Uh, Truex would have to get knocked completely out of the race. Right. For Kurt Busch to be able to point his way in. The funny, the, the craziest thing about sitting there watching that Texas race is, if, uh, as the first stage is going, Truex had to start in the back of the race, uh, back of the back of the field. Kurt Busch started the race at minus twenty-five mm-hmm. to to uh, Martin Truex Jr. After the first stage, it was minus sixteen. Okay, wow, yeah, because yep. all the Truex's problems. Yep. At the end of the race, though, back to minus twenty-five. Exactly where they started, right? That is Truex had a workmanlike day at Texas. Truex says after the race, God is testing them. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't, I was surprised. Wow. I never heard him say the, you know, you never heard, you him, never, talk, never heard ne- him talk about that guy. You never heard him to break out his theology yeah. on, uh, and, and intermix it with his racing. <laughs> yeah. You can speak on that. Yeah, I could, but I won't. Okay. I don't think God's testing him. I you think, don't? That, I think they had a loose wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. <laughs> well, and they've had other little misfortunes, so but Kurt had a real good shot at trying to narrow that gap a little bit, but didn't get the performance they wanted at the end of the day and, and ended up coming out of there really the same way they walked into Texas. So he had to win chase has to win but he had you know chase runs pretty decent there uh eric almirola clint boyer all those guys yeah they gotta win chase runs very well there he finished second and third at phoenix his last two times there i think it's uh harvick kyle bush martin trex jr and joe logano and homestead joe logano is a legitimate contender telling you man third place this past weekend uh one at martinsville he's clicking man he is he's clicking at the right time and jeff burton talked about it a lot during the broadcast the, one of the things that Joey has, aside from being pretty fast on the racetrack, is an incredible pit crew right now. 
that is what puts you in position to win races. Like, you can have a great race car, but if you can't maintain or gain a few spots on pit road, if you continue to lose one or two spots, uh, you cannot. They're, they're, you can't get by these guys up front. They're just too fast. Everybody in the top five is running about the same speed, so you cannot afford to give up positions on pit road. Pit, pit crew is incredibly important. They will be have to be flawless at Homestead, mm-hmm. and right now they're clicking, I think, almost as good as anybody. If we're talking about Phoenix, the Xfinity Series race is going to actually be a pretty interesting thing, to, too, especially with us and Justin Algar. Yeah. Um, yeah we, he, he's found himself in a situation. Yeah, I mean, Justin uh, Justin, Christopher Bell both in, in a difficult God, situation. Right. Yeah. Um, whoever, who would have ever thought the guys, the two guys that have done so well all season long, but that's the way this playoff system is, and – if you don't perform when it matters, you can find yourself out of it. And Justin and, and Christopher both are possibly going to go to Homestead without a shot at even racing for the title. That's something. Yeah. I can't believe it. Incredible. It, but but Algar, we were looking at this. I mean, earlier in the year, he finished second to Kozlowski at Phoenix. He does well there. Just got to stay out of the mess. Cole Custer pulled off the unthinkable by winning this weekend at Boy, Texas Motor Speedway. That was huge. He was not going to be able to point his way in. He would have to win at either Texas or Phoenix. He won at Texas, and he is the guy who won the last Homestead race. Dominated, oh, that's right. Dom- and he's been really good in those 1.5s. Dominated at Homestead. So Cole Custer, I think right now, may be the championship favorite. Mm. All right. Yeah. Let's do an Exalta Race Center update. We'll be right back. This is your Exalta Race Center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. Kevin Harvick's Cup Series performance on Sunday at Texas Motor Speedway was pure dominance. The Bakersfield, California native led 177 laps en route to a win that puts him in the championship Final Four in Homestead, Miami, Florida. He and Joey Logano are both locked in with two spots remaining and only one race to go before the final. On Saturday, the Xfinity Series was back in action. Things got physical on the last lap as Cole Custer muscled by Tyler Reddick to win, forcing his way into the championship four at Homestead. After Texas, Reddick, Elliott Sadler, and Daniel Hemrick are currently in a points position to make the finale with one race to go to determine who makes it to Homestead. The trucks went round and round under the lights at Texas on Friday night. Todd Gilliland was less than a lap away from his first Truck Series win when his number four ran out of fuel, handing the win and a spot in the championship race to Justin Haley. Haley and his GMS teammate Johnny Sauter are now both locked into Homestead. To the short tracks we go. The Cars Tour wrapped up its season at South Boston Speedway in Virginia, and Junior Motorsports late model driver Josh Berry finished with a strong fourth-place effort. Teammate Sam Mayer finished eighth. One to go. It all comes down to this weekend. ISM Raceway in Phoenix, Arizona. One race in each of NASCAR's big three series will determine who races for the championship at Homestead. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on our great partner, Exalta, visit them at exaltacs.com. All right, so we had a couple guests coming into the shop uh, this morning that I think pretty inter- interesting for me at least. Um, there's a group organize- organization called Dream On 3 uh, that brought in a guest, Dalen Carver, from Robinsonville, North Carolina. Uh, Dalen was involved in a motorcycle dirt bike accident that has left him paralyzed, mm. um, and his request was to come by the shop, take a look around, and get a little tour. Uh, we popped in here and uh, sat down and talked to him for a while. Big time hunter. Okay. We shared some great hunting stories. They bear hunt over there in Robinsonville, where he's from. 
And uh, But we got to spend a lot of time with Dalen. And while me and Dalen are hanging out, Jonathan Davis. Not, not not your uh, cousin, but no. the, uh, somebody else. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Davis from Corn. Oh, the singer from Corn. Yeah. The lead singer from Corn and the rest of the band. I got a text from my friend Stephen Steffen the other day, and he said, do you have any interest in meeting Jonathan Davis from Corn? that they were going to come by Junior Motorsports? Uh, they're driving from Florida to Pittsburgh, and they have to stop. So their, driver, their bus drivers cannot drive that entire distance. They have to stop, so they have to find something to do. And – Apparently, um, Jonathan wanted to come by and check out our shop and tour That's the awesome. race shop. Uh, come on through if you want to. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll be there. So me and Dalen were in the gift shop, and Jonathan Davis and his crew comes walking in. And so we, me and Dalen both. Dalen was, knew who Jonathan Davis was. He did? The band oh, that's born. cool. Yeah. So it was all. <laughs> that's cool. It was like uh, two worlds colliding yeah. there. It's weird because I've been, a, I've been a fan of their music a long, long time. And because uh, they've been around a long, they've long they've been around time. a while, yeah. And on me and uh, Isla had her six month appointment today, this morning. So me and Amy drove to the doctor at nine o'clock to get that done, and we listened to corn all the way there. <laughs> and I was like, as you do on a six month appointment, I was like, Amy, right. I gotta get ready for Jonathan Davis, man. I gotta get, <laughs> I gotta get pumped up. Huge corn fan, love, love, yeah, that's kind of my style of music. I, I went from grunge to alternative to, to punk, and I didn't know you got that heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe he was here, man. It was awesome standing there talking to him, thanking him for the music they've made and, and continue to make. And every time I get to meet a band that I like or a musician, that I don't know what exactly they like to hear from a fan. Mm -hmm. But my thing is to say thanks for making your music because I have freaking enjoyed the shit out of it, right? That's you know, interesting, yeah. That's what I'm doing. I, I'm listening to your stuff. So thanks. I know it's so basic, but I don't know what else to say. You know, those things can get awkward if you, if you don't come with a, yeah. a, a an idea of what you want to say. I've yeah. seen them get awkward. You know, yeah. a lot of standing I kinda, around. I kind of wanted to know, you know, what he what made him want to come here. Of all the things he yeah. could have done on his trip, he said there's a deep connection, but you know, with Jr. Rhodes that he has uh, some people he knows knows Jr. and Jr. has actually tried to get us together for years. Oh. Yeah, so I didn't know that. I didn't either. But I was so glad to meet Jonathan Davis, big fan, and it just happened randomly. You know what I mean? I wasn't at a race or at a concert or somewhere that you would expect to meet the guy. The guy came here, and me and Dalen both got to say hello to him, get our picture made. Dalen was like, I came, you know, this is crazy. We, you know, came to meet you, but going to meet the lead singer corn, just random as hell. But that awesome. is cool. Yeah. That's I, cool. I hope that he got to meet Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis got to meet Jonathan Davis oh, <laughs> from the five car. <laughs> On his tour. Yeah, we have an employee, we have an employee here that's name is Jonathan Davis. I'm sure he did. Right. Wow. That right. would be strange. That would be. To and Jonathan Deller, Davis, yeah, Jonathan Davis would absolutely make it even more strange yeah. just if he has that opportunity. So. <laughs> We got a did you see that? So this is a do part, we? Yeah, this is a, a did you see that is a is a segment on the show that we do every once in a while when we get a really really good tweet or something that happened <laughs> on the internet or just whatever you know it could be anything and it's and this is a really good one Matthew I'm gonna let you tee this up all right man no, uh, no pun literally <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your longtime friend there T J Majors who of course is one of the hosts of Door Bumper Clear they gave him a lot of crap on it on the podcast this week. There was, there was a high school yearbook photo found, and it had all these things underneath the photo, and they listed nicknames. 
Mm-hmm. And we learned that old TJ, your former spotter there, his his nicknames included T-Bone and Teapot. This is where I saw it. I saw Travis <laughs> Mack tweeting me, go, aren't you glad the name Teapot didn't stick, TJ? And I'm like, no, no, it's sticking. Oh, it's yeah. ba- if it didn't stick, it's back. I'm calling him Teapot from now on. His name is now Teapot. But well, you know they br- they bring back all things for throwback. I mean, we're going to bring his nickname back, man. Teapot. Did, did you? I mean, you're TJ's buddy. Did you know his name was Teapot? I did not know that his name was Teapot. We have a, a group chat, and we have been really hammering on him <laughs> for his nicknames. So Teapot was probably, and it wasn't Teapot as in T E A. You have it spelt out here on the show sheet as Teapot as in T E A pot. It but was, it's yeah. the letter T. It was letter pot. Teapot. Yeah. And TJ seemed to reference that maybe he was called that because of his, uh, because of uh, not T, but the pot part. Uh oh. Yeah. Watch out now. And he said that. <laughs> I actually re- here comes the test this week. I retweeted. I retweeted the uh, the original tweet, and he said, "Thanks for that. I'm probably going to get a test for NASCAR." And so he should. I mean, if he's going to be so bold as to say that, yeah. I mean, he's basically daring NASCAR. I mean, yeah. Pensy's going to have to evaluate this employment. <laughs> what, what do they Poor got? Look at this hippie Poor up teapot. On, hippie up on the uh, on the spotter stand up there. I and mean, what do we got here? Although Joey's doing well enough right now, I doubt they want to go uh, disrupt that little flow yeah. going. Anyhow, pretty funny. There's another one here. This this one. I yeah, what is this? <laughs> I didn't know if we we're going to mention this, but I figured I ah, put out two there, and oh, somebody okay. tweeted okay. back to our show and screenshotted the NBC show, Dale. And I could show you the picture here. Yeah, let's see it. And picked on the way Mike Davis sits and crosses his legs. I did the same thing. Yeah. I'm not. Do you cross yeah. it that tight? Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing I said to Dylan. So I guess it's just everybody I, hating on Mike Davis. Well, they said, what did they say? They said that I, I sit like a lady? Yeah, they said that it was very <laughs> feminine. It says, um, Matt, don't know if you all, you see this, but what the hell? Mike, I mean, how do you, <laughs> that is how a woman sits. Is that right? You see the legs? A little feminine for me, just saying. I, 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 I used to never sit like this. No, but you got your, you, yeah. Well, I used to sit like this, but now my leg would slide off my knee. <laughs> This is what it is. I told Dillner this. I said, these couches sit so far back that you start getting slouchy, and when you get slouchy, this the leg just kind of naturally gets yeah. over this. I mean, we start leaning. If we were in a chair, we you don't sit like this real close. But when you're leaned all back, I, I sit like that's that what it does. More, I sit like that today. I sit like that a lot these days. But I never used to do that. I don't know what happens. I think it's an age thing. I wonder but, if this lady who's awful critical, uh, well, wonder, she, wonder how she's sitting when she's listening to the podcast. I'd like to know. How do, yeah, well, <laughs> they, they must be looking at the TV. This is actually bad podcasting right now because we're talking about the way we sit and they can't actually see it. It's about uh, crossing and the I, legs. I'll I, I bet Tighter, every dollar I got, this. Brian ain't putting this on the TV show this yeah. week. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's like, probably not. Let's right. just get on into it. It's time for Ask Junior. Live! Yes, we are live. All right, everybody. You're just your see us on YouTube here. Dirty hey, Mo- everybody. Yeah. Dirty Mode Media. Appreciate everybody who's following this handle. Um, this is our Ask Junior portion of the show. It's brought to you by Nationwide Insurance. So appreciate Nationwide for supporting the podcast. Uh, Matthew Dillner is going to pull our questions. One of the questions that uh, we had for you guys is, uh, we were talking about Eric Almarola and how kind of wild and way off we thought his comments were about how he was raced by Joe Logano. And we're trying to think of if I had ever been in the same situation and said anything completely ridiculous <laughs> after a race. Yeah, we're basically trying to think if you've ever whined like a little, like a, like, like a whiner. Whatever. And was wrong in it. Yeah, any kind of wrong, <laughs> baseless 
whining, whining whiny whiners. I'm sure there's some out there. Hold up. On the track. Because we, we have a lot of those moments off the track. We we'll take anything. If, if he's a whiny whiner yeah. right after a race, right before a race, anything like that. And it was completely off base. Hey, uh, one person uh, already chiming in. Uh, we can give a little question while the yeah. room populates here. Uh, somebody f- chiming in from the UK uh, noticed uh, when you used to drive on the ovals, you put both of your hands at times to one side when you turn the wheel. Just wondering why you did that and uh, how you uh, held the wheel typically on a road course. Uh, on a road course, I would drive 10 and 2. Unless it was a big corner, then I might you know, get over here and tug on it like this. Uh, Mark Martin drove that way. They called it the Arkansas Pull. But yeah. where he was like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you drive down a straightaway, and as you're starting to go into the corner, you move your hand over here, and you're just you just get more leverage on that steering wheel, and you just go to town, uh, getting that thing worked through the center of the corner. If I drove like this, I don't know, I, I couldn't do that through the corner. It was just felt weird to have your hand up here in your way. I don't know. Uh, it's the way I always drove. I think my father drove the same way. For me, I think you know, I, I think it's it's not an old school way. It's just a different way because I've seen guys from uh, in-car cameras of the 70s and 80s driving at 10 and 2. Uh, Brad Keselowski drives this way, and I've tried it in a test, and it's weird. You get, you know, you get used to doing it one way, and you can't really ever, you can't change those, those habits. Good question, though. Uh, 18 Diego wants to know. Uh, this is a good one. Off-season podcast. Off-season podcast. Yeah. With a question mark, are there going to yeah. be any off-season Matthew, podcasts? Matthew wants to know if we're going to do any podcasts. So I guess we could. Continue. No, this is 18 Diego, man. It's not me. Well, you all right. You get to choose which questions you want to ask. So I know you're influenced. <laughs> influence um, I guess we could negotiate this right now. What you think, Mike? Well, should we do any podcast during? I think we could. No problem. I think we could if there's moments that warrant it. I, I think yes. that we ultimately need to kind of hit a little master reset and leave everybody uh, with their holiday yeah. season. But if there's things that need to be addressed what if we dropped one in december and one in january that's not a bad idea here's one thing is that we're going to be redoing our studio so like um it's not like we could just pop in here we're going to be doing some construction here yeah we are remodeling to a, a little bit bigger space to try to give you guys a little we, something better to look gonna, at than this we got to be able to you, you know stretch out you know more. dale you, you always used to pick on me on a few of the questions that i'd choose like if you were on a desert island yes. with martin Tr- no, here it and, comes. and they they don't come for me man i'm telling you we right. right here mysterious six two three <laughs> if you this is actually a pretty cool one if you could build a four car cup team with past or present drivers who have never won a championship oh my god i mean who is the who's in the pool who would you choose i mean there's some good guys that haven't won championships well i need to see the list so i'm a list guy um, I mean, Mark Martin would be an obvious choice on there. Uh, I'd put Mark Tim Mar- Richmond. Mark Martin, Denny Hamlin. Den- and, and before anybody complains about me, my choice of Denny, he's won every race. But he hasn't won a championship, so kind of like Mark Martin in that sense. Carl Edwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. We didn't even talk about That's that. a really good one. Well, he was just there this weekend. So, so, it's so he's on your mind. On, yeah, it's fresh on my mind. And Chase Elliott. I mean, that's a no-brainer because the guy's – Probably going to have a great career, and I'm gonna get on that train early. So put him in my put him on my team now. So Mark Martin is the only non-current driver on your uh, Carl team. Edwards. Uh, that's true, Carl Edwards. Yeah, I just saw it. Yep. Yeah. All right, there you go. That hasn't won a championship. Yeah. Martinsville Speedway actually chiming in here. Hey, that's awesome. The track. I mean, the track. The track Somebody track at the track. Chiming uh, in. Yeah, the track is a lot. They have a great social media handle. Yes, they which do. A lot of tracks do. Yeah. 
the Martinsville is pretty cool, though. They're cool in all parts, man. Uh, big fan, they said. Please respond. Uh, where is your Martinsville win car? We know where the clock is. Where's the car? Holy cow. I don't know. They probably kept it. Now, I, I bet I got a side or something somewhere. They probably did chop it up into, and put it in trading cards or some crap. Well, you do have a side panel from that paint scheme on your wall in the Dirty Dome. Yeah, but that was from a wreck. Of the, I don't know. Was it? Yeah, that's what I, I, that that side. I, I got a I got parts of that car somewhere, but I don't know that um, I've got the whole thing. The chassis I did not get, so it would have been the shell, the side, the roof, the hood, something. More than likely, though, it did get chopped up and put in trading cards. <laughs> hey, I like uh, this. Somebody just commented. This isn't a question, uh, but uh, Kevin Carter, uh, thumbs up to you for this. Uh, been through your concussion process himself. Uh, your book has inspired me to go back to the doctor. Hey, thank, thank yes. you. Nice. That's so, all the book needs to be doing is trying to inspire people to take care of themselves. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Uh, Colby Chancellor uh, chiming in. Dale, uh, what do you think led to the culture change, so to say, of hard racing drivers of the 80s and 90s and the gentlemen, let's talk and get along, slash whiners that we have the last two years? <laughs> that's oh, a bold man, question. That is a bold question. There's a lot that's changed in the sport. You know, we all live in the, we, li- we all live together on the weekends in these motorhome lots, and the drivers spend a lot of time in close proximity to each other. Social media. Media in general. So if you get into it with a guy, you better be ready to be seeing, hearing, reading, talking, being asked about, discussing that issue for quite a while. It doesn't it's not over and done. Like if you run over a guy and spin him out uh for a win, you're gonna hear about it for the rest of that week. And then when you go to that track again six months later, you're gonna see all those clips and and they're going to be running that stuff and promoting that race, using all that stuff over and over again, and you're probably going to get asked about it when you go back uh, to that racetrack. So I think that that might, in a way, deter guys from going through that process. You know, um, I know it certainly wasn't a lot of fun for me whenever it happened. Anytime I was caught up in any kind of controversy, it was more pain in the ass than anything. You know, so I tried to avoid that as much as possible. You want to, everybody, you know, wants to have, Activity on social media wants to be able to promote themselves on social media, but you go on there and you got to hear everybody's opinion about what you did the past weekend. Like Joey Logano, I really didn't think the guy did anything wrong. And, man, is he talented. He's catching hell. People booing him at the intros this weekend. Everybody's comments after the race about his, his move being classless. Doesn't make any sense to me. For that win, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're going to win the race, it's worth it. But if you're trying to do it and you don't win the race, is it really worth it? You know, you go through that a couple times, maybe you think twice about doing it, you know, the next opportunity. I think a lot of people say and act a certain way to try to quell that media storm, you know, to try to muffle that as much as you can. That try makes to sense. Try to keep that fire from burning too too bright and too loud and too hot uh, because you just really don't want to put up with it. Race car drivers want to race. We don't mind knocking each other out of the way for wins, but dealing with the repercussions and the public perception afterwards and the, the noise, you know, in the media throughout the week, the rest of the week can can be difficult. Some person on here actually thinks Mike Davis that you, they've always said that you look like Tony Uri Senior. Him? I mean, this pe- these people need some glasses here. Uh, but uh, let's gotta go. Get better cam- <laughs> we got to get better cameras. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, at least he's got the hat on covering the the Silver Fox uh, impersonation. You want to weigh today. in on that, Mike? No, I've never heard that. I've been told I look a lot like Carl no, no, Edwards, no. and the I get that. Carl Edwards, question. really? I get that. I, I get that. It, it, it's, Not that. I want you want to weigh abs, in. It's everything else, but no, I've never heard Tony Senior. Do you want to weigh in on the one before that? We we're talking about um, the drivers from the '70s and '80s. Oh yeah, so so the drivers from the '78 uh, '80s. What was the real thing? 
the guys said that led to the drivers being these tough, hardcore racers of the 80s and 90s to the now let's be friends with each other whiners of the last few years, they said. The question is what led to that? Yeah. Too much money. Too much insulation like ourselves. We are part of the problems. This PR refs, this marketing refs, we coddle these little <laughs> and, and, and they sit there and they, <laughs> they, they, comp- they complain and they get they get entitled. And, and, they, and they're not that – most of them ain't even that good. They don't even need to be uh, – uh, they don't deserve motorhomes or jets. Oh my and they God. think they're entitled to them, and they just need to go out and <laughs> shut up and race. I'm glad you asked drivers, that. Drivers need to shut up and dance. If we say dance, they need to dance for however long we tell them how to tell. They just need to shut up and dance. All this stuff that the drivers complain about, they just need to drive a car. Kind of like the Dixie <laughs> Chicks. They just needed to sing. My drivers God. need to dance. <laughs> Whoa! Oh my God! Oh. <laughs> I, just, I don't. Are even you know. okay? <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. None of that was true. All right. Hey, somebody did chime in. I uh, forgot to. I can't see their name now. That wanted to know what. What was your favorite part in particular? Is there a favorite part of the book that really just resonates with you? I think the part with Amy. I guess part talking about my wife. I think it was important mm. for me to. If it was important for me to clear the air on some things there with her, and then explain to people what she did through that whole process. Somebody was chiming in and asking uh, before this chat room is just blowing up. It's scrolling Good. everywhere. Well, after uh, what this Mike is just awesome, said, man. I can understand why. And now it's going to be like bing, 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 bing. Uh, wanted to know uh, how often do drivers get mad and scream in the car without actually keying up? I don't know. We don't know. Do we know? Well, how would we know? Would a tree, would well, you're a driver, so if, maybe if you could speak from your perspective. And no one's there to <laughs> see it. Do you hear? I mean, what, what the? F- I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What kind of question is that? <laughs> well, we, we know, uh, yeah, we know Kurt I, Busch keys up, so. I've done that. Like, oh, there so, you go. Okay, so this goes back to the, um, you know, the drivers of today being different than the drivers of the past. Like, I would get so sick of hearing people talk about or play or complain about my comments on my own radio during a race mm-hmm. that a lot of times I just quit talking on the radio and, you know, when I wanted to complain or bitch about something or, you know, be whiny, I just stopped doing it. And, it's, and I would just. You know, I would just scream or cuss instead of keying the mic. I just cuss and raise hell in there by myself. Oh, to own, to have a a recording of the yeah. of the of the <laughs> of those moments when he's not keying the mic that would be hysterical. Yeah, there's times when I've mf'd Tony, Tony certain S- people, and they <laughs> ne- Ju- they'll never know. Tony Junior, yeah. Tony Senior, probably they'll got never caught know. it. <laughs> your your transmissions were gold back Question. in the eight days. Well, yeah, the ones you heard. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, somebody chiming in here saying, uh, "What do you think of your one of your nicknames?" This is this is a nickname that you don't hear very often, but I think Marty uh, Smith was one of the ones that used to call you this every, uh, time to time. Redneck Jesus. Oh my god, that always made me uncomfortable when he would say yeah. that. Pro- is it because of because of what? You, I mean, you're okay. Oh, is this the part where you go, "I'm a man of the cloth"? Is that what <laughs> is that what you say? <laughs> is that what you're going to say? You're a deacon. Uh, I was. I mean, my term is over. But oh, is yeah. It? No, no. It's just I know you, and you, you're, you're like whatever is the opposite of a narcissist. What is that? A humble guy? <laughs> I don't know what is the opposite <laughs> of a narcissist. But it's like so when Marty Smith would say, "Hey, hey, look, it's redneck Jesus," and you're like, "What are you supposed to say to that?" I, I mean, know. Like, how, do you, I how do you? I never respond? Knew, I never knew what to, how to respond to it, but I always took it as a compliment. I never took it as any anybody. Uh, I was very you know sensitive to being picked on, being so damn short all my life. Uh, when I was a kid, I was really, really short. And uh, so I get very, I get really critical of anybody trying to nickname me or do anything like that. So, because I, I always feel like somebody's trying to pick on me. 
Okay. Oh, okay. That's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I never felt that way when Marty Smith or anybody would ever call me that. But it's a bit of a – it felt like a bit of an overstatement. An overreach. Yes, yeah. an overreach. A few people wanting to know uh, who's going to drive for JRM next year. Well, we already announced one of them. Yeah. So, um, hey, you'll just have to stay tuned, right? Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great We one. are not talking about that right now. That's no. right. Listen, I, I just a, a little quick break in the action. I had put out there uh, for some help on Twitter, uh, come up with the time when Dale Jr. was a whiny baby, and, oh, and, and, and his assertion was wrong, and nobody can really come up with anything. They, I think that we were right in this, that we can't think of anything. They said, well, not Dale, but his fans. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so that's that's fun. But we're not talking about the fans. We're talking about Dale. Never whined about anything, even after a race, took whatever for uh, whatever happened. Y'all are happened. being too nice now. This is your moment to really say what Lay you think. Lay into him. Yeah. I, I'm trying to encourage that. Come Right. On, He's giving hell. you permission to give him hell. Just give when, him hell. When was he wrong? And he was just and, and just it's, it, it's it's happened many times. Every time we have had times when you have called somebody a nickname or yeah. called him, but but you you feel like you were well justified because you got wrecked, and that's true. Yeah, yeah. A few sure people chiming in uh, to uh, talk about this, and I, I hey, if they're asking for it, give the people what they want. Sir Jack Sports Show. Wants to know uh, what what would your thoughts of NASCAR going electric or running an E series like Formula E say? I don't know if I'm into that, but what I, you know, I, I'd still broadcast it. I just <laughs> I I need, I need to really know about the technology and how it could or couldn't be manipulated. That would be the only thing. I like that answer. Somebody said the time at Michigan with Mark Martin. I don't remember the events, but I remember ah. you saying you were pissed off. So that was way off. They felt like I was way off. They thought you were way yeah. off. Oh, what was it again, Dilmer? I remember this. We were racing at Michigan, and coming off of turn two, Mark ran me in the fence. I had to lift and lost a handful of spots, six spots or something. I'd been running eight all day long, all day long, and then I was going to finish 14th. And I was so mad because I want to finish where I think I was supposed to finish, and Mark is with my teammate. Yeah. And he came off the corner like, hey, I remember that. you're not even there. Yeah. <sighs> Screw you. I remember that. And so I got out of the car and I said, damn it, Mark. Blah, blah, blah. And it and everybody was like, what, Mark? No, no, Mark don't do that. Mark never do that, man. Come on. Yeah. And uh, even Mark was like, I don't really remember that. He did wrong. Yeah. I felt like it. So, But I appreciate you. Somebody found one that they thought I was way off. Whether the, you know, That's what we wanted. Yeah. There we yeah, go. It's trying to be honest, trying so, to be transparent. I remember after that, after I said that, most people were like, you're way off. I remember that. I remember the reaction that week to those comments were, Junior, you know, just hush. So. <laughs> Zach brought up something that we've already alluded to, and I was just asking you about it, but it's interesting to hear somebody else remember it. I never heard him whine about the race or gripe about other drivers, except for Robbie Gordon that one time at Bristol. All right, so, Robbie, I was running in 10th or so with a handful of laps to go. This is the same race, I think, where me and Tony Senior Mike got called to the hauler for custom oh. raising hell over the yeah they they threw a late yellow. We were running tenth. We had a real fast car, and I just wanted to get as many car many cars as I could with what little laps we had left. Robbie Gordon was a lap down, racing in the top ten with the lead lap cars, and I was like, "Damn, Mart, uh, uh, Robbie, get the hell out of the way," you know, and he wouldn't. So I hit him and knocked him out of the way, and I went on about my business trying to pass as many guys as I could. And so when we come down pit road after the race, he ran in the back of my car and knocked the radiator out of his car. I mean, tore his car all to hell. And so I jumped out, and uh, one of his crew chief, or not his crew chief, but one of his crew members came over there running their mouth, and I was that was the guy I was flipping off, not Robbie. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 
Okay. So this crew come over there, and I was just, I was ready to fight. I was ready you to, were. I was ready to get my ass whooped. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what Is that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to fight, basically you just have to be ready to get your ass whooped. Okay. Got to be willing. And if you're willing to get your ass whooped, you're ready to fight. I don't know. I was feeling pretty froggy that day. <laughs> and then it probably came all down when they said, yeah. please report to the NASCAR hauler. Yeah. Mike Helton would like to have a word with yeah. you. And he cut, he was, Mike was mad at us because we had been raising hell over the radio during the caution for them, for NASCAR to throw the, the green flag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, laps are clicking off. I'm losing, I'm losing opportunities to get further toward the front with every lap that we run under caution. What the heck or what the F is NASCAR doing? The track's fine, but you know, just raising hell. And so Mike Helton said, do me a favor. Don't, you know, he said this in a very uh, nice way. He said, don't, you know, don't talk about NASCAR on the radio. That was a fun conversation we had at the appreciation event in Vegas last yeah. year when we had Mike Helton on stage, and yeah. we're like, hey, Mike, we've always wanted to know. I mean, I know you know, but we've always wanted to know what goes on in those conversations yeah. inside the NASCAR hauler, and he, so, he put it out there. Yeah, me and Tony Sr. were sitting in there by ourselves. We walked into that NASCAR hauler, and they said, go right up to the, the lounge up front. So we walked in there, and nobody was in there. So me and Tony sit down, and we're sitting there talking back and forth about what happened, getting our stories straight or whatever. And as soon as Mike Helton walks in, me and Tony Sr. started to open our mouths to, to plead our case. <laughs> no, <laughs> not. We're, we were like, hey, uh, man, I'm t-. And <laughs> Mike Helton said, y'all two are going to shut up and listen. Y'all aren't doing any talking. I'm going to do the talking. That's what he said. And he said, I don't want to hear one more word about NASCAR on your radio for the for the rest of your career. Mm, for the rest of your career. Yeah. He's like, he just basically said, never again do you need to say anything bad about NASCAR on your radio. And I'm sure, you know, I straightened it up for a long while. I'm sure there's some instances where I might have let it slip every once in a while. But that, I, is Matt, I was so disappointed in myself because I, Mike Helton and Dad were such good friends, and I wanted Mike Helton to think I was awesome because I had so much respect for him. And I, in that moment, he didn't think very much of me, and I was so disappointed in myself. And I, ever since then, I worked really hard to try to, you know, make sure I had that man's respect. But I had never seen anybody shut Tony Senior up before in my life, except for Mike Helton. Well, the fact is, is that you uh, do have somebody here on Twitter that was saying ne- never to a reporter, but you did act like a whiny person uh, a few times on your radio channel. So Mike yeah. Kelton would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, you know, somebody else brought up the Dega race in 2012, but found out later he had a concussion. So yeah. these are things that we definitely yeah. a lot of whiny instances on the radio. Yeah, that's where that's that's the whining channel. I think that's, that's I mean, that's so where every, you know, you got to have I, a pressure relief. I'm telling you, man, there's something about that radio and the way it's the way that the transmission sounds that makes you sound whinier oh, than you really are. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure. It, I, hey, no. Jeff Gordon, when you talk to him in person, oh, yeah, he sounds train. a lot higher pitched on the radio. Right. Like when you'd hear him get on there and be like, ah, Ray, the car just isn't really, you know. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't sound that whiny I'm sure in it's the transmission why Jeff Gordon sounds whiny. <laughs> sure. That's it. <laughs> All right, man. A lot of questions in. Uh, Thanks for everybody uh, joining us on Ask Junior Live, presented by Nationwide. It's awesome. If we didn't get to your question, uh, hey, we'll try to get to some of them next week, and and, uh, make sure you join us. We love doing this live on YouTube. All right, Mike. That's a lot of fun. Pretty good show. It was. Uh, We covered tons of crap. We did. Let's do a white flag. You want to? Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. Go to tellgenior.com forward slash book right now. Place your order for racing to the finish. While you're there, you can take the How Well Do You Know Dell Jr. quiz. Did you see JRM 360 last yes, week? Yes, it was great. 
Can you believe that the person that did the worst on the how well did Dale, how well do you know Dale Jr. was your cousin? Danny Earnhardt Jr., yeah. Are you shocked by that? No, not really. I, I, mean, probably, I probably know even less about him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it That's doesn't matter. next week. Yeah, how I well mean, do you know Danny or Yeah, yeah let's do it. And everybody I wanna, just, see, I never get to be in on the games. I want to be in the games. Okay. We got to get you on on a prank. That's what we got to do. No. We just I did. We just did. No, I don't want to do prank. We did one that's coming good. I want to damn get to do the questionnaire. How well do we know Danny Earnhardt Jr.? How do you know? Well, well do you know Mike Davis? You know, it was. It was the, the thing about Danny Jr. There was a little bit of a pompous attitude. It was like he was a little. He it, he he was happy that he didn't yeah. know anything about you. It was He's cool like, to not oh, know. It, much. it was too cool for school. He's like, hey, what what about the book? What book? Don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. Oh, stop it! If you if you have a pulse, you knew that. What's Del the Jr. book? Right. What's the book? Don't know anything about a book. So like, yes, I, I sensed it. I I picked up what Danny was putting down. But anyways, all right. Speaking of the book, Dale will be going to Los Angeles this week. I'll be going with him to promote racing to the finish. We'll be on shows like. Joe Rogan Experience, Steve Harvey Show, Bite the Mic with Mike Tyson, uh, what? R- Rich Eisen Show. Hell yes. You're, what? You're going yeah. on with – wait, hold on. Did Mike, you just say Mike Tyson? Bite the Mic is his podcast. Really? Mike Tyson, yeah. Oh, damn. That's Dude, awesome. get him on I our know, podcast. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be awesome. He, yeah. He, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. When I, Mike Tyson is one of the ones – I would have lost this bet, but he is very articulate. Oh, yeah. In his post-fighting career. Like, he did that HBO special that was fantastic, fantastic, and he was on stage delivering yeah. a speech and doing, I mean, it's like, you would have lost that bet when he was fighting. Right. But, man, he's good. And so, yeah, I that'll be a fun one. You know, Rogan, Tyson, I Rich know, Rogan, Eisen. I can't wait. Joe Rogan's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, you guys are going to, you think with Tyson, are you going to have the microphone boom arm that comes out, or are you going to have headsets on that cover your ears? Oh, God. Dylan, are you and your jokes? <laughs> Just what does that even mean? Because Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear, remember? Oh, man. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan is our comedian. No. Right, right. Failed comedian. Failed comedian, right. Uh, check out DaleJr.com this week to get specifics on times and dates. Uh, you can also check out this right here. This is a People magazine. It's got hey! the number the November 12th issue. Has a nice piece on Dell yeah. Jr. and Amy and even Isla Rose. Lots of photos There's here. There's a bookmark in the top there that'll take you right to the page. <laughs> well, if you happen <laughs> but still, upon it this took him a one, while. yeah, happened upon this one. But that's in the November 12th issue of People magazine. You can go check that out right now. We have two more shows after this. <laughs> Both of them one-hour shows on NBC Sports Network. Our producer Brian is getting ready. He's so excited to produce a one-hour Dell Jr. download two times in a row. This one should have been one. It could have been, right? We had a lot to say. Uh, Thanks again to our partners, Nationwide and Chevrolet. They're always key contributors to Delta Download and Pristine Auction. Be sure to follow Dirty Mo Media on all social media platforms, including our new and approved YouTube channel, which now has its own custom URL, guys. Oh! YouTube.com slash Dirty Mo Media. Not Dale Dirty Mo Media, just slash Dirty Mo Media. So uh, there's that. We got a new social media person started after about four or five months of uh, searching. We found one, so uh, we got big expectations. Dale, anything uh, you want to close us down with? I think we had a great show. Thanks for everybody for listening. Anything incorrect or you, <laughs> don't. that you disagree with? Keep Screw you. That's right. <laughs> I don't even want to hear. Don't even want to hear it, you drivers. <laughs> you whiny drivers. <laughs> See ya. See this bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty mode.